Welcome to fantastic days here at Christian Embassy where we celebrate our friends and our relatives and our associates and our neighbors. I'm telling you, that's what the friend stands for, as Pastor Rodica said. God has called us to love our friends and to love our relatives and to love our associates and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That, he said, is the second and greatest law. But what is the first? The key to having a good family is the most important, Jesus said in Mark 12, 29, is that we must love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. He said, they said, what's the two greatest? I mean, what's the greatest law? And he said, well, these are the two. And upon these hinges, everything swings. Love God with all. Somebody say all. All of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That means all of us. All of us is to love all of God. Hallelujah. And then to love our neighbor, to love our friends, to love our relatives, to love our associates as ourselves. Hallelujah. This morning we're looking on the R of friend, the relatives, as we're going to be looking at keys, keys to having the good family. Because when it comes to community and our society and the future, nothing is more important than the family. Let me tell you, the way God has structured everything, you may say, I'm going to go with a different order. Let me tell you, your order will not change God's order. God has a plan... And we see, we've read the end of the book, and we see he's in charge at the end of the wrap-up of all of it. So we better look at his plan and let his plan become our plan. Amen. So the family, as we understand it, and the way that God has established this world, is that it is the foundation to the community, to the culture, and to society, and our future. It is the foundation of civilization. That's how God established it. It determines what our future will look like, our family structure, and the health, or lack thereof, of the family will affect the future. And I'm telling you, we live in a day and age that is highly charged and highly polarized, where it's hard to talk about uh, the, the family the way God intended it to be. Because in the last days, they will call that which is good, bad, and that which is bad, good. They will call that which is right, wrong, and that which is wrong, right. We are in those days. And if we get to a biblical model of what the family is supposed to be, we're going to be labeled, we're going to be pigeonholed, we're going to have, uh, you might would say, verbal or digital tomatoes thrown at us and anything to try and discredit us. But let me tell you what, we better not move off of God to try and please man because man can't save you. Man can't help you where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord. Hallelujah. So today we want to lay out a portrait, God's portrait of a Christian family. Now sociologists are telling us that the breakdown of the family is the most crucial and critical issue facing our culture today. They said if we were to look at what is the most dangerous and the thing that will turn the tide to destruction more than anything in society today, it is the family. 
And when we read the headlines, when we read headlines, we're ultimately uh, seeing th that traced back to broken homes and the devil at work in what God established as the home. Now, most of us have learned what our family should look like or what a family looks like from probably one of three areas. Probably from us, uh, we all learned what the family looks like from our own family. Okay? The family we grew up in. And guess what? That means if the family we grew up in is messed up, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Another place we learn what families should look like is from our friends. And here, if our friends are in error and we take their advice, again, we're in trouble. And then the third area we learn what the family looks like is from the media. Lord, help us. Look at somebody and say, Lord, help us. Because there was a time when the media reaffirmed the family and gave it uh, you know, its basic values support. You might find a few black and white reruns that you can see that, what it may have used to be, but let me tell you what, that's not true anymore. Family breakdown and breakup is normal. It is, the, it is the comedy, it is the joke, it is the representation. Media gives us a broken view of what family is supposed to be or they'll give an unrealistic view that can never be achieved. I say if God created the family, then He has a picture of what it should look like and its purpose. So we want to come to His Word today and we want to say, God, show us what you intended the family to look like so that we have a plumb line to build our family as we go forward or re-correct re or correct and restructure our family to the plumb line of your Word. Are you, are you open for that? Father, we pray as we study your word together, you would open our minds and our hearts to receive not the words of a fallible man, but the words of an infallible God. That you would speak today through this, your servant, and you would minister truth to our hearts, to our spirit, to our soul, and to our mind in such a way that we would come to the point of decision as to what we will do with this truth. To you be the glory, to you be the honor, and to you be the praise. And everyone said, Amen. What we're going to look at, and believe you me, God has a lot to say about the family, but instead of studying the whole Bible this morning, anybody want to let's study the whole Bible? Okay, okay, nobody. You got dinner, you got lunch, you got lunch plans, okay. So we're just going to look at some verses in one chapter. So we're going to be looking at Psalms 128. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, we do have the scriptures we will be putting on the board. Here God draws a picture of a Christian family in Psalms 128, we're going to take from it and learn as the Old Testament was pointing with types and shadows to the fulfillment of Jesus Christ coming and making the full provision of everything in heaven on earth in and through Him that His kingdom would come 
and His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're going to go in the Old Testament with types and shadows and signs and, and, and pointing to uh, Christ and see the picture that God has drawn of the Christian family. And here in this chapter, we see four things about the Christian family. And the first thing we see is in verses 1 and 2, that blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it will be well with you. The first thing he says to us in these two verses about the Christian family is it begins with a personal commitment to God. It starts with the individual. Before God deals with a family unit, He first deals with every individual who will make up that unit. He knows in order for us to have a blessed family unit, each and every one of us have to be walking in the blessings of the Lord, which comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The enemy knows this as well, and the enemy knows in order to have a miserable family, you've got to have some miserable individuals in the family. But the Lord knows that if we're going to have a blessed family, we've got to have every individual in the family walking in the blessings of God. So the starting place to fixing families is fixing folks who make up the family. So when we speak of family, let's first speak of the individuals. Because the Bible is teaching us here in order for us to have a blessed and a happy home that each individual in the home has to have their lives centered in God. If you don't have your life centered in God, then unhappiness in your life will rub off on the other members of your family and affect them in an adverse way. So look what he says. So sir, he says... He says, if you are a miserable person, then you will rub off your misery on your wife. And then together, you will rub off on your children. And this will, in effect, reach out and rub off on your dog and on your cat and on your hamster and on your bird and anything else. And misery that started with you, sir will now cause a miserable home. But to fix the foundation, he tells us in verses 1 and 2 here, that each individual of the family needs to have their own personal commitment to God. Do you have a personal commitment with God today? Is He first in your life? He said, happy and blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. You see it right here. And this word fear means to reverence God, to take God seriously. That He's not something you're tagging along. He's not just a religious thing that you got. Oh, you wear around your neck or you keep on a, a bookshelf in your house. But you have a personal relationship where you have surrendered to His Lordship and you're walking in His wisdom and you're walking in His power and you're walking in His love that you take God seriously. And we need, what we need here is men who take God seriously. Now we just came from a men's advance. We had like 40 men there. And let me tell you what, God was calling us to man up. And I'm telling you, it was a, it was a good word. It's a strong word. It's a today word. And let me tell you what, the men in Christian embassy, let me tell you church, they represented this house well. 
As 40 men said, we'll take the challenge. We're going to man up. We're going to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We're going to grow in the power and the wisdom and the stature of God. And we're going to let God flow in us and through us to affect those around us beginning with our families. Hallelujah. We need men who take God seriously. We need women who take God seriously. We need to raise children who take God seriously. Sometimes we get caught up in the, uh, you know, he said, she said, or, 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 the, or, the, or the personal uh, desires and affections and, 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 and expectations of one another. But let me tell you, that's all a ruse. That's all the trick of the devil. Because every one of us are fallible and every one of us cannot be God to each other. But there is a God who will be God and who will never leave us and will never forsake us. Who will have no shadow of turning with Him. So we need to take God seriously, men. Women, you need to take God seriously. We need to raise our children to take God seriously. Otherwise, our home will spin out of control and be dominated by the destruction of the enemy. The enemy has a plan to destroy your family. The enemy has a plan. He has worked overtime. You said he's over in North Korea. Well, maybe he's got a demon over there, but I'm telling you, Satan himself is more focused not on a nuclear bomb that will destroy millions, but he's focused on destroying the family which will ultimately destroy the cultures and the societies of the world and cause everyone to turn their back toward God and go into an eternal damnation prepared for Satan and his angels, never prepared for people. But that's what the enemy wants to take as many of us down as he can. He is focused on the family. See, happiness does not come from taking a vacation. Happiness in your home doesn't come from going on a cruise. Happiness does not come from buying a new house. I've met folks who were happier in the apartment. When it was a one bedroom, no car, one bathroom, and sometimes it didn't even work, but they trusted God for everything. And because their focus was on God, there came a happiness and a blessing and a joy in their lives. I've talked to people who've moved from that to a four bedroom, three bathroom, two car, three car garage, and they don't even want to go there because it's miserable. Because happiness is not derived from what you have and places you go or the money you make. Happiness comes because a man is in proper alignment with God. God created us, and He created us to walk in proper alignment with Him. And if we're out of kilter, out of joint, we're just like our spine is out of joint. There's pain, there's nerve damage, there's limitation that comes. But let me tell you what, the Holy Ghost is here today to give you a divine adjustment if you will allow Him and to put you back in proper alignment so that you can have the blessings and the, the, the blessings flowing from the head to the feet of all of your life. When we take God serious and choose to love Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength, three things will begin to happen when we put Him first. He tells us this in this uh, verse of Scripture. He says, first, I'll take care of your future. He said, first, I'll take care of your fortune. The first one he lists there. He said, you shall now eat the fruit of your hands. Your hands will bring in much fruit. You will enjoy that, you and your household. When you put God first, you're going to see that God comes alongside and now will take care of your fortune. 
He said if we would seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, what did He say? The houses, the land, the clothes, and all that stuff. He said it will be added. Isn't that what He said? It will be added. That's Jesus talking. It will be added unto you. God wants you blessed. He wants you blessed. But He wants you to put Him first, not the blessing first. Don't pursue the blessing. Pursue Him. And let him come alongside and take care of your fortune. He also said he would take care of your feelings. Some people would say feelings are not important. We had Brother Warren sing for us this morning in the first service. Feelings. You know, that, that, that old song of feelings, you know. Because we are a people who have feelings. And we, our feelings can be hurt. Right? And in the family, the unit of the family, the enemy wants to use hurt feelings to destroy the family. Children against their parents and, and husband against their wives. And then the enemy uses the same strategy in the family of God. And he wants to bring that. Let me tell you what. And we have to embrace that because we were created with feelings. But he says to us here, if we will reverence God, he will come in and where man fails, God says, I'll take up their lack and I'll take care of your feelings and you'll be happy. That's what he said in verse 2. He says, happy you will be for those who fear the Lord. He cares about your feelings. He wants you to be happy. He, it's okay to be happy. Go ahead and tell your face, it's okay to smile. Tell your face that. You need to take out your camera and do the reverse thing. And right after you checked in at Christian Embassy, I've checked in here and enjoying the blessings of the Lord here. Then turn that camera and look and say, it's okay. You can be happy. You can smile. Okay. And the third thing we see when we put God first is He will take care of your future. He says in the scripture there, if you reverence me, you will, he said, you will eat the fruit of your hand, you will be happy, and it will be well with you. Your future looks bright. Now that's some great guarantee, right? And it all comes from God. Now if you get a guarantee from me, I cannot give you a 100% guarantee because I don't know all things, I don't have all power. I don't have all resource. I, don't, I cannot give you 100% guarantee because I'm a fallible man. But let me tell you what, when you get a guarantee from God Amen. and there he doesn't sleep nor slumber, there is no night with him and he, there's no shadow of turning with him and he knows all things, has all power and his ability to be everywhere at all times present. Let me tell you what, if he gives you a guarantee like this, you can take him up on it. Hallelujah. So to say the problem in my house comes from my husband or my wife or my father or my mother or my children is the wrong place to start. You've got to start with, am I in sync with God? Am I in sync? Am I in alignment with God? Stop blaming others. Come on now. Stop blaming others and ignoring the elephant that is in the room. And the elephant in the room is screaming, where are you at with God? And if you're of the age of accountability, some would say that's 12, some would say that's 8. We've seen children at 6 explain morality and things to us better than some adults. So whatever age that is, but it's usually a very young age, then that question belongs to you. Where are you at with God? Do we have any photographers in here? We got, oh my, she got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Woo, glory. Yes, 
We've got some photographers in here. What if I were to say, I'm going to give you the most expensive camera that's ever been created by man as a gift. I'm going to give it to you. Would you, would you? Oh, she's, she's, oh my goodness. We're getting, we're getting born again already. Well, listen here. If that were the case, and I'm not making that promise. Okay, guys. I'm not making that promise. But if I were to give you the most expensive camera that's ever been created by the hand of man, it would not produce a quality picture if it was out of focus, right? Even though it has the ability to give you the best depth of perception, the lens and everything possible, if it's out of focus, you're not going to be able to hardly make heads of tail of what you're trying to take a picture of. And here God is the most powerful force that your mind cannot even conceive. And he is saying with all of my power and with all of my might, it won't do you a lick of good if you're not focused on him. Do you hear what I'm saying? He has to come first. As the photographer has to first take and, 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 and get that focus and clarity in order to capture the beauty of whatever they're going to capture, you and I have to take the time to make sure our lives are in focus first, that our relationship with God is, is, is on track, that we are living with Him as the head of our lives. Stop listening to people first. Stop listening to, to what others are saying. Stop listening to what the news is saying. Stop listening to what uh, the mumblings of, of society is saying. Let us attune our ears and focus our ears to hear what is God saying. Start listening to God first. Because it's from God you get the help that you need. You give me two people rooted in God and His love, and his, his, his righteousness, and I'll show, I guarantee I'll show you people that are blessed and living a very, very good life. But you show me people who are not rooted in God, even though they are working two, three, five times harder, and it may look like they have increase, you will find that increase has attached to it this thing the Scripture calls sorrow. There is increase that comes with sorrow, and there's increase that comes without sorrow. And when I, I'm here to tell you, when you want to live a blessed life, you want to live with increase that comes without sorrow. you got to put God first. You got to put God first in your life. You got to put God first in your family. You got to put God first in the business. You got to put God first in the decisions that you make. You got to put God first in everything. It's not God number one in everything two, three, and four. It's God in the middle, the wheel, the hub in the wheel. Let me tell you what, you've got to make sure He's the center. And if you're punched in eight hours to work somewhere, if you've got your list and family is second and God is first, and there's people there that are lost and they want to know more about the Bible, you can't just call them in the conference room and say we don't need to do our job let's sit here for a bible study for two hours now as great as that sounds you are not being a good witness for the lord jesus christ in doing that when you are being paid to do a job and you said with integrity you would do this job but you're choosing not to do that job because you're going to the higher number that god is first let me tell you what god has to be center of everything so that when you're at work, 
You are representing His integrity. You're representing His love. You're representing His kindness and His forgiveness. You're being a light not hidden under a bushel, but shining bright uh, to all in the way that you conduct business. But then as a tire rolls over and it's break time, you can <clears throat> do all the Bible study you want in break time. But then when the tire rolls over and it's time to go home, you need to go home and represent the Lord Jesus Christ in the home. Do you hear what I'm saying? And then when the tire rolls over that it's time to go to church, you come to church, you're not putting church clothes on to go and act church. No, you're just taking the church of who you are in your family and coming together with the corporate church. So it's not the hierarchy, it's God is center of everything as life spins around it. And if your bearings are wore out or out of sync, pull them out, put some new bearings, pack that thing with some grease and get it put back with a hub to protect it and get the rolling today with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The second thing we see that the Christian family should look like is it developed, it's, if it, it is developed within the proper atmosphere. Look at verse 3. It says, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house and your children like olive plants around your table. So, so he's obviously, God is focusing on the man first because he says, your wife and your children. Your wife and your children. That's, see, it's, it's like God always starts there. Now, the wife has responsibility too, yes. The children have responsibility too, yes. But it doesn't start there. It starts with the man. Come on, man up. The man is responsible for setting the tone by which the family functions. It is your God-ordained order to set the tone in the home. Now, for you who are not married, let me tell you what the good news is. Until you're married or maybe you've been there and you're widowed and you're just going to ride this thing out, Jesus will be your husband. Amen. And let me tell you what, it, they, it, you know, when, when God works through the man, there, there's a middleman for you women. That's that husband. And that husband's got some growing to do. And that husband's got some sharpening up to do. So, so it's not, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a little different than you who, like Paul said, he chose not to be married. Man, he was in a better position, but it was a gift that the Lord gave him to be able to do that. But if you're in that position, let me tell you what, you're not out of this equation. God, God just ratcheted you right up to your husband sees everything, knows all things. He got you covered when you even sleeping. He knows what you're dreaming. <laughs> but here in this, this structure for society, he is giving us the men the responsibility to set the tone in our family. The Bible uses two images here in the scripture, fruitful vine and uh, olive plants. And these are two very popular things in that culture. Uh, they were needed staples for life and their fortune and their future, these two things. Now, looking at the fruitful vine, there's three things you need to know about a vine. First, a vine takes hold of whatever it is attached to. It clings to it. So vines, they cling to structure. A husband should provide structure. Man up. A husband should provide stature and strength of putting God first and building an atmosphere where his wife's gifts can grow. One? One husband, amen me. 
Come on, men. God, what he's called us to do, he's already gifted us to do. We have the ability in him. So he's not asking us to do something that's too difficult. He's just asking us to be the backbone in the home. To give our wives the, the security and the structure of which she can grow and become all that God has called her to be. The Bible teaches us that a man shall leave his mother and father and with his wife they shall cling together and the two shall become one. So, so not only does the wife, like the vine, need to cling to her husband, otherwise what he's saying here is we don't need a separation of not church and state, that seems to be the rhetoric of the day, but a separation of husband and wife. We don't need that. You do your thing, I'll do my thing. You got your bank account, I got my bank account. You got your friends, I got my friends. You got your time schedule and your calendar, I got my time schedule and my calendar. If we ever cross, that's okay, but no! Husbands, we are to be the structure and the strength that our wives can, they need us. They, God made us to be one. And when you rip us apart, something is out of order there. Come on now. Secondly, we see a thing about a vine is it climbs. Once a vine gets attached to something, not only does it cling to it, but it begins to climb and, and to spread out to the thing it clings to. So in other words, when a man is, is the right kind of man, the wife wants to cling to him and not let him go. Woman, don't you let your man go. I'm old now. But as she does that, she's growing and developing strengths and abilities and skills and becoming a better woman than she ever was when the home is right. It is a, it is a culture of which all that God created can blossom and be its best. So if you have a stunted wife and a non-growing wife, and if you have a wife that's no better next year than she was this year, and you have a wife no more intelligent next year than she was this year, and you have a wife no more affectionate uh, next year than she was this year, the, the problem we have is there's nothing to cling to, and once she clings to it, there's nothing worth growing on. Man up. So in other words, you've got to create an environment of growth. Where you say, I am here to support you. I am here to undergird you. I am here to encourage you. I am here to speak blessings over you. I am here to protect you from what the enemy is trying to bring against our home so that you can blossom and be all that God created you to be. Your men, your wife should be able to say, when I cling to my husband, starts, the stuff starts uh, shooting off of me that I didn't know I had. I start sprouting and, 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 and dancing and things start expanding. Husbands, you put a smile on your face if you know you could be that to your wife. Because the vine not only clings, the vine also climbs. But there's another thing the vine does. It clusters. It clusters. Grapes start popping up everywhere. Groups of grapes. Fruit and that blesses and makes one happy. Let me tell you what. There is greater in your wife. Husband, help her bring it to fruition. Because when you see a vineyard, let me tell you what, you don't look at the old rusty structure that the grapes and the vines are clinging to and growing on and clusters. You look at the clusters. Yes, I said the old rusty structure. That's, some, that's us men. We are not really the ones that's getting maybe the attention because we're the old rusty structure. Some of us more rusty than others. But let me tell you what. 
If we'll do what we were created to do, we can help her do what she was created to do. And everybody in the household is blessed. Hallelujah. And then in verse 3, he also said, your children like olive plants around your table. An olive plant has to be nurtured. So what he is saying, he's saying that we must provide a nurturing environment for the children if they're going to grow up to be olive trees as olive plants, we have to nurture them and give them the right environment. If your plant is to become a tree, you've got to nurture it. It's not going to grow up healthy by itself. And it's not going to grow up and produce what it was created to produce and all the oil that it's supposed to bring, the anointing it's supposed to bring. Your children will never do it to fruition if you don't help create the environment in the home to nurture those plants. And the great thing about an olive plant is if it's properly nurtured, it grows and becomes a tree, and then that tree produces oil for at least 40 years. That takes care of another generation. Do you see how society gets blessed through the process of God? Now notice where the olive plants are. He said in the Scripture there, the olive plants are around the table. So in other words, if the parents are never with the kids, don't expect the kids to be nurtured properly and grow up to produce what an olive tree would produce. That the enemy's strategy and trick is to come in and separate the children from their parents. That is his number one strategy in taking out the next generation. I can say it this way, and I pray you'll take it in the love, but yet in the candor of the Word of God, that nobody should raise your kids but you. Except for extreme circumstances, nobody should raise your kids but you. iPad shouldn't raise them. The newest notebook shouldn't raise them. Television shouldn't raise them. The coolest game system shouldn't raise them. You should raise them. You should raise them. Come on now. Because we see the Christian family is so important for us to have the, the structure and the nurture and the atmosphere in the home. But look at this third one as we move forward in, 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 in wrapping things up here. Number three, God draws a picture of the Christian family and he shows that it is maintained in a community of believers. Look at verses 4 in the first part of verse 5. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. See, he's going all the way back to fearing the Lord. That's where we began, where you had that individual relationship with God. But then he says, Zion, out of Zion. Zion was the city of God. Zion was Jerusalem. It was the place where a father would lead his family to worship the God of Zion. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 and 20 through 24, we see how that is now spiritualized for us in the church. For he says, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant of the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. 
He said Jesus came to the, on the scene and when Jesus came and shed His blood, He mediated a new covenant for us that is built on better promises and better blood, not the blood of animals, but the sinless blood of the Son of God so that all that the Old Testament was pointing towards could now be the fulfillment of our lives and now Mount Zion, the city of God, would be the church that Jesus Christ is building. If you remember, Jesus says, I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So when you brought your family here today, you brought them, according to Hebrews 12, to Mount Zion. For Mount Zion was the place you met with God corporately. So the family unit has to have the atmosphere and the nurture and the strength within its unit, but it has to be sustained as being a part of a bigger family. Just like the devil wants to get your daughter turned against you and your son turned against you and a husband turned against a wife, he wants to get the family destroyed at that cellular level. But if he can't get it there, then he wants to get that family separated from its church, from Mount Zion, so it is not having the reaffirmation and the strengthening of the, of the cultural uh, gathering together of anointing that the Releases the exponential of God. So that the family is its isolated unit being what it calls a church into itself that's out of order. So he's telling us that the family that put God's first, that's serious about God, they're going to keep God central in their relationship. They're going to keep God central in their home. They're going to keep God central in their lives. And they're going to meet with God's people in God's place to be affirmed and reaffirmed in the things of God. That's the family that will be blessed. And then finally, number four, he says a Christian family is powerful in its impact on society. Look at verses five and six. The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good, and that word good in the Hebrew is prosperity, may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Shalom, nothing broken, nothing missing. Well-being in the city is what he's saying. Well-being in the community. Because the family gets right with God and they're right with each other, and they're right with the church, guess what? Peace goes out into the city. You'll see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. You will see your community get better. You will see the prosperity of Jerusalem, the prosperity of the city that God has you in. Hallelujah. And you will see your children's children because of this peace. So He's saying to us today, if you want to fix downtown Portsmouth and you want to fix downtown Norfolk and you want to fix the ocean front of Virginia Beach and you want to fix downtown Chesapeake or any community or neighborhood that you live in, you got to start by fixing the house you're living in. Amen. Hallelujah! And don't leave a legacy that your family fussed all the time and cussed all the time and fought all the time and strife all the time. Come on, let the church come alongside and help you. It's hard raising a family in the 21st century. But when we come together and assist and help and affirm and reaffirm one another through the power of God Almighty, we can do this together. So let us help you. 
Let the church come alongside you and your home to affirm the things of God. It's not the church's responsibility to raise your children in the, in the admonition of the Lord. That's your responsibility. But it's the church's responsibility to come alongside and affirm and reaffirm the things of God, which causes it to take root. And it's not just what mama or daddy said. But look at this community of men and women and, and, and leaders and doctors and lawyers and judges and teachers and, and servants in the body of, of Christ and in the community and, and these marketplace leaders. My, when they are affirming exactly what my mom and my dad are teaching me, let me tell you what, it sticks within the heart of the children. And those young olive plants grow to be olive trees that produces oil for 40 years. Oil always represents the Holy Ghost and anointing. So the anointing of God, the anointing that lifts the burden and destroys the yoke goes on for another generation because you made the house a house dedicated unto God. So here in Psalms 128, he draws this picture for us. Four things that the Christian family should look like. And it always begins with a personal commitment to God. Where are you at right now in your personal commitment with God? That's where it begins. If it's a fracture there, it's like the house that was built on the sand and the house that was built on the rock, Jesus said. And the house that they both had storms. They both had wind and waves. We're going to have opposition in this world. We're going to have trials and tribulations in this world. Let me tell you, the devil's going to fight. But he said, the house that is built on the rock will stand. The house that is built on sand, there will be ruptures in the plaster and you'll plaster over it and things will get so crooked and out of whack, you'll put paneling over it to cover it and you'll hide it with this and you'll hide it with that. But let me tell you what, all of the patching in the world is not fixing the problem. You've got to go to the foundation. So I ask you at the foundation level today where we are saying, God, save our home save our families and use our families to turn the tide in the community and the world that we live in let it start with us right now is God first do you fear the Lord are you serious about God is he first if he's not he can be because the choice is all yours would you stand with me Father, as we stand in your presence, the close of this part of the service, Lord, we ask you, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us today? I ask each and every one under the sound of my voice, if you would so just honor what God is doing here, that you would ask that question. Holy Spirit, talk to him. He's a person of God, the Spirit of God. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me today? Have I let the enemy get me off track? Am I walking with a form of godliness but denying your power? 
Am I allowing unforgiveness or am I allowing offense or am I allowing anything that the enemy's trying to trick and destroy uh, and bring in destruction into my home? Am I allowing that in my home? Am I walking in forgiveness with my wife? Am I walking in forgiveness with my husband? Am I walking in forgiveness with my children? Am I walking in forgiveness with my parents? Don't let the devil destroy your home by causing you to take up an offense in that home. God gave you that daddy. God gave you that mama. God gave you that son. God gave you that daughter. Don't let the devil steal them. Cast aside right now any trick of the enemy and say, I'm putting God first. I'm putting God first in my life. I'm going to love you, God, with all of my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind, and with all my strength. I'm going to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness so that I can now reach out and love my family because I love myself. Help me to put that in order right now. What I'm going to ask is by faith, every person here who says, maybe I got a little off track. Maybe I've been a little uh, uh, riding off the edge of the road and didn't even realize it. And I want to get this thing in proper alignment. Or maybe you're here this morning and you say, thank God I'm on the track. I'm in proper alignment. But as I go into this week, I'm going to stay in proper alignment. I'm walking out of these doors into my mission field and I'm going to walk out of here in, in right relationship with God and having Him in right relationship with my family. That's my commitment. I want us to do an act of faith. Faith is without works is dead. So we can't earn what God has done for us, but we can respond to what God is doing in and through us. And I want us to say by taking a step of faith that I'm coming to represent my family, starting with me, and I'm going to say, as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Devil, you're going to see it around this altar right now. I'm coming up to this altar, and I'm just going to stand as a representative saying, as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And it begins with me. I'm putting you first, God. I want you to just come. Each and every one who says, I want my family to be walking in the favor of God and in the perfect plan of God going into this week. I'm coming to, to claim my spot. I'm claiming it right now. For you who say, maybe I was a little off track, but I'm getting back on track. I want you to come and claim that spot right now. For you who said, God has blessed us so much, but we know we got a trying week ahead of us, but we're going to go through this week victoriously because we're going to keep God first. I want you to come and claim that spot right now. And I want to have a closing prayer of this part of the service over you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So I just want you to come. Say, as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Devil, you can look around if you want and you think you're going to take uh, me out. No, I'm here on the altar. I'm here before God. I am serious about God. I fear the Lord. I am putting my, my life and my family in the hands of God. I'm going to build according to the Word of God. I'm not going to be lied to or tricked or, or, or taken out in any way. I claim the blood of Jesus. I claim the name of Jesus. And I claim the Word of God is the rock and the foundation upon which I build my family hallelujah so father god you see those that are standing here today god around this altar lord god posting their claim staking their claim that as far as them and their house they're going to serve the lord lord you hear their heart you see their stance of faith and i pray right now in the name of jesus lord god that there would be a release of wisdom like they've never learned through the natural mind wisdom in going through this week lord god that when the enemy comes in and tries to t-bone them they'll have the 
wisdom of heaven to avoid such a thing in Jesus' name. Lord God, I pray for fresh anointing, the anointing of heaven to rain down upon them and their household, Lord God. An anointing that lifts any burden. If there's a burden on them today, God, lift it off. Take it off, anointing of the Holy Ghost and destroys every yoke. God, if there's a yoke in their life, break it off of them, we pray, by the anointing in Jesus' name. Let the anointing come upon these men and women, Lord God, that stand here on your altar today, God. And Lord God, power! I pray, Holy Ghost, power. Power to overcome the tricks of the enemy. Power to overcome the strong arm of the enemy. Power to overcome every obstacle. Power. Power to walk in freedom and power to walk in love and power to walk in joy and power to walk in peace. Lord God, I pray, fill them with your power by your Spirit, we pray in the name of Jesus. And now, God, we pray that there would be a shield of protection around their household, a shield of protection around their kids, a shield of protection around their grandkids in the name of Jesus, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Lord God, that every time the enemy would come in, they would be able to curse the devil and the devil would flee in thousand ways. Yes, Lord. Lord, we pray for favor. You said blessing and favor. You said goodness and mercy would follow us all the days of our life. Let goodness and mercy follow them into the mission field of their neighborhoods, into the mission field of their marketplace, into the mission field of their work, into the mission field of their school, Lord God. And Lord, I pray that joy unspeakable and full of glory, joy would come back into their house joy would come back into their marriage joy would come back into their parenting joy would come back into those children with their parents joy unspeakable and full of glory fill each house represented here we pray in Jesus name and everyone said amen amen God bless you